my piano teacher always taught me, like when I used to take piano lessons when I was little, like they, uh, uh, she said like, oh, if you ever play a wrong note, like people only know it's a wrong note if you act like it, you know. What's going through your mind when you know that either you messed up or someone next to you is messing up? Like, what's the first thing that you think about? No, oh no, oh no, oh no, oh no. <laughs> Mistakes happen, but to these two people, mistakes are very different things. To a jazz musician, a wrong note is something to be riffed on, a new direction. It's like a challenge. To a classical musician, red alert. Oh, so you think I'm stereotyping. Well, I can back it up with science. From News at Northeastern, this is Litmus, a conversation with Northeastern University's groundbreaking researchers. We connect what's going on in their labs to what's going on in your life. We're News at Northeastern reporters Aria Bracci and Emily Arnson. I'm a new musician. I dabble. But even I know that classical and jazz are starkly different genres. They have different rhythms, different style, different history. And the musicians have different training, different instruments, different brains. Yep, you heard that right. Different brains. And a professor at Northeastern is bridging music and neuroscience to figure out why. But hold that thought. Actually, don't have any thoughts at all. Just play. So if you're not thinking about the notes, so let's say you're at home and you're just like flowing. If you're not thinking about the notes, what are you thinking about? Thinking about oh, I was hoping you wouldn't ask, you know. Just like, <laughs> I mean, like... Uh, whatever's on my mind at that time, or nothing at all. It's kind of like, I mean, it depends on what's on my mind, you know. That was Shay Glackenkoli. You heard him at the top of the episode, but the first time Emily and I heard him was through the door of a practice room, along with the rest of the Northeastern Jazz Ensemble. Wow! Emily and I stopped by one night at the end of rehearsal, and Shay agreed to stay and chat. Twelve years ago, he started playing piano. First was lessons, next came his school's jazz band as a teenager, then jazz ensemble at Northeastern. Now, when he plays, he flows, kinda spaces out. After practice that day, another musician stuck around too, Edgar Maldonado. He plays trumpet. I mean, I could be thinking about I could be thinking about what I'm going to eat for dinner that night. Like, <laughs> so even if it looks like he's concentrating on his trumpet, Edgar might actually be planning his next meal. Then there's classical music, which traditionally relies on sheet music. It's precise. It's premeditated. If your focus isn't on the next notes, as it kind of has to be when you're reading sheet music, you'll get lost. And when you reach the bottom of a page, you have to flip it over. But sometimes there just isn't time for that. Emily Kerr, who plays violin in Northeastern Symphony Orchestra, knows the feeling. I've memorized an entire page of a piece before because I didn't have time to do a page turn. Playing the notes exactly as they're written is so central to classical music that turning the pages of sheet music becomes its own job. Which, like, I don't know why. Endless saga of page turns. I know, it's like, what year is it and you still got to turn your own (laughs) sheet music? Like, if I was a musician, I think that would stress me out so much. Like, what if you drop the page? Jazz training typically emphasizes improvising. It's sort of like 
it, it, it's natural. It's like speaking. It's like, do you think ahead of what, what you speak or do you just kind of speak? But speaking is learned. It doesn't just happen. Learning the grammar and inflection and vocabulary of a language takes instruction, trial and error. And only then can we start to piece all that together to create new thoughts. And just like I'm not the best at talking off the cuff, some people just aren't that good at improvising. But why? Luckily, there is a professor at Northeastern University who's studying this. Her name's Psyche Louie. I think there's something a little bit uh, different about improvising music um, because you are um, generating new combinations of sounds. And in that sense, it's more like having a, a new conversation <laughs> um, and less like uh, you know, reciting a, a poem. Psyche's work is almost as niche as her name. She runs a lab, the MIND Lab, which stands for Music, Imaging, and Neural Dynamics. So she researches music in the brain, and she's been teaching students about the topic too. So I think that classical music might be more like reciting a poem, and that you know what words are supposed to come next, and you're still finding a way to, to enunciate them and to, to articulate them um, in an artistic way. Um, but jazz improvisation might be more like having a real-time conversation where you kind of know what you're talking about, but um, you haven't put exactly those words together before. When I play music, I read chords. I read them one by one until I memorize them. And when I write music, same thing, chord by chord. Better that than something unexpected happening. What would I do if something, literally anything, sounded wrong? Where would I go from there? Kind of sounds like a research question. Psyche thought so too. All these, this happens within a second, right? So after, immediately after something unexpected has happened, um, 200 milliseconds later, uh, you see that the jazz musicians, their brains shows this bump. Psyche recruited three groups of people, jazz musicians, classical musicians, and people with no musical training. She played chord progressions to each group, kind of like you're hearing now. Then all of a sudden, something weird would come along. Like she said, immediately after this dissonant note, the jazz musicians registered that something was funky. The electrical activity in their brains spiked. But the others? Not until hundreds of milliseconds later. And by then, the jazz musicians' brain activity had already dropped back to where it was before the interruption. The classical musicians are still kind of worrying about the, the mistake or the unexpectedness that has happened, whereas the improvising musicians, they they are more willing to accept um, the unexpectedness, I, I guess, and, and they're, they're more willing to move on to the next event. Like, you have to know, like, I, I'm basing my solo off of him, he's basing off of me, and we're trying to, like, conversate here. Um, In a way, jazz musicians expect the unexpected. It's part of the game. Music is like a conversation. But, as we know, for other musicians, it's like reciting a poem. One, two. <laughs> 
In classical music, the unexpected isn't part of the game. Take it from Hallie Chernin, a viola player in the orchestra. In classical like, symphonies, like if something truly unexpected has happened, it's probably bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And if anyone can notice and remedy these mistakes, it's her conductor, Evan Bennett. Unexpected things will happen, and it's, then it's a question of how you react to that. That's just music, um, and that's performing. What we train to do is to be ready, basically, with anything that might happen so that we can not anticipate so much as react smartly to what comes up. And sometimes it's something wonderful, and sometimes it's an accident. <laughs> sometimes a good accident, sometimes not a good accident, but either way, you incorporate it. You embrace it, you, you run with it, and hopefully you end at the same time. So, both jazz and classical ensembles can and do improvise, but one embraces it while the other uses it out of necessity. It's an escape route. But like Psyche showed, jazz musicians are just better at it. A jazz brain is more sensitive to these missteps, and it recovers faster once they happen. It works them into the piece. But how? People who have improvisation training, they, show, they have more structural connectivity in the midline regions of the brain. Uh, and so these are areas that are important for processing expectancy, actually, um, and also for, for processing reward. And so does that imply that they... What does that imply if, they, if those areas of the brain are m more active? So one thing might be that the left and right hemispheres are talking more efficiently to each other. There is a, a structural difference in, the, in that their brain structures are differently connected. Uh, there's also a functional difference in that the brains react differently to sounds. By now, you've got to be wondering. I know I've been. Were jazz musicians' brains just always like this? Is a person just born with a brain that can improvise, and if not, they're out of luck? Um, what's not yet known is how much this is a result of training. That's right. Not even Psyche knows. At least not yet. Her plan is to follow her research subjects over several years. That way, she'll be able to see if any changes, changes like the one she's already noticed, come about from jazz training itself. If they don't, then yeah, they might have been there from birth. And just like tall kids probably get encouraged to pick up a basketball, these hypothetically predisposed musicians might have gravitated to the genre that's suited the way they think. The tricky part will be parsing cause from effect, especially considering how intense musical training can be. I started playing violin when I was three, um, and I've been like set in the classical training. Like You always have your wrist exactly mm -hmm. in this position, and you do not ever play out of tune, and you play scales ten times a day, and yada, yada, yada. But even if the research does show that some people are predisposed to the ability to improvise, that's not the end of the story. It doesn't prevent them from trying, or even from succeeding. We talked to one more classical musician, Rachel Lesser. She plays stand-up bass in the orchestra, but she also plays electric bass in a band. Grew up playing classical music, having everything written, and so then any time I got into a setting where maybe where I didn't have music, I'd get very nervous. If I was ever going to be playing a song with a band where I had a solo, I'd write out a solo before. And now she can just flow. She goes back and forth between these different music scenes, one where she's on and one where she can almost be off. I was playing a show the other week, and... 
you were kind of going around soloing and someone gave me a look to solo and I shook my head no. And then I kind of like ended the show and I was like, did I solo? And they were like, yeah, you were like playing stuff. And I was like, oh, okay. She was in the zone, like Shay, maybe meal planning like Edgar. And then there's Psyche. She's been a multi-instrument classical musician since age seven. And she's even giving it a shot played classical music for many years. Um, I can't really improvise in jazz, but I feel like I I want to learn how to. Um, So I didn't start by improvising, but I've become more and more embracing of um, improvised music. How long would you say you've been doing that? Like, how long do you think you've been improvising? I started during graduate school, yeah, so maybe 10 years ago. Um, And then I've kept it up more recently, in the past four years or so, uh, mainly because of this project. Regardless of genre, everybody needs practice. The chasm between jazz and classical isn't that wide. Only a few hundred milliseconds, remember. So yeah, there are differences between jazz and classically trained brains, but they're still brains, human brains, human musician brains, and they're not all that different. I study mechanical engineering. I'm a third year. What are you studying? Study mechanical engineering. Oh, so Even without more conclusive findings from Psyche's study, it's already widely documented that making any kind of music improves the brain. People who are musicians, they, they are more um, accurate in responding to rhythms and to pitch. Auditory areas are better connected to areas that are important for speaking, also have better functional connectivity within the uh, basal ganglia, which are important for rhythm. Will Psyche reveal a hierarchy within musicians' brains? Probably not. Just a hierarchy of their brains and everyone else's. Um, Do people who make music and listen to a lot of music have, like, better brains than people who don't? I think so. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I, I actually... Special thanks to all the musicians, jazz and classical, who spoke with us for this episode. Shay Glackencoli, Edgar Maldonado, Emily Kerr, Psyche Louie, Hallie Chernin, Evan Bennett, and Rachel Lesser. Even the ones who didn't speak, you sounded great. Psyche is Assistant Professor of Music and Director of the Music, Imaging, and Neural Dynamics Lab at Northeastern. Sound Engineering by Aria Bracci, Emily Arnson, and Anthony Polito. Our editor is David Filipov. From News at Northeastern, this is Litmus. We're News at Northeastern reporters Aria Bracci and Emily Arnson. Catch you next time.